Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for continuing to practice here together. All of us, all of us near and far doing this sashin. There is a settling in that is happening, settling into the routine of sashin. You can notice that the meal table here at the monastery where uh, the commotion of first meals quiets down in a quite natural way. You can notice it in our flowing together more and more. And this quiet flowing is happening in a most natural way. And you can notice it in the zendo, uh, a stillness of heart and mind settling all the result of this continuous practice of sashin. The theme of this sashin is metta and compassion. But metta is our, our lead. Metta, loving friendliness, loving kindness, goodwill, welcome. All of these are words that, that point Metta is not a traditional Zen practice, at least in of what has come to us from Japan, but it has long been a part of what is taught here at Great Vow Zen Monastery and Heart of Wisdom Zen Temple and the whole ZCO Sangha. So for those of you who are relatively new here, Metta isn't the guest teacher's practice importing Bansho and Joman to um, parachute in, do some metta, and then head back. It is a foundational part of the practice here. We learned it from our teacher, Chozen Roshi. Chozen along with Hogan. Roshi are the founders of this monastery. Metta and, and heart practices are a part of the, um, the family wind, they call it. The way of practicing here, the breath of our community, and has been for decades. And this is unfolded with the next generation of teachers, uh, Jogen Sensei and Kisei Sensei, have continued to explore and elaborate heart practices. Chosen many years ago brought in meta practice because she felt it was balancing of Zen's tendency towards cool, the cool wisdom aspect of practice. She faced criticism from other Zen teachers decades ago for doing metta in a Zen sashin. Criticism for practicing metta. <laughs> Little did you know that metta is a rebel practice. <laughs> but times, have cha times change and people have loosened their resistance. So much so that a few years ago, Chosen was asked to consult with, uh, and maybe even lead a retreat, but I know consult with 
bring, uh, another monastery that was interested in bringing meta practice into uh, uh, their community, balancing heart and mind, compassion and wisdom. And Chosen from the beginning said, when she faced this criticism that <laughs> it didn't belong in Zen, like, well, if the Buddha taught it, <laughs> that gets my attention. It must be worth practicing, unfolding. So here we are. It's funny too, because if you look in our chants, in, the, in our chant book and then just in the morning chant, there is heart everywhere, compassion throughout. We see this bridging of wisdom and compassion at the very beginning of our morning chants in the Heart Sutra. The Heart Sutra is the bodhisattva of compassion. It starts out Avalokiteshvara, bodhisattva. That Avalokiteshvara is the bodhisattva of compassion that is practicing wisdom beyond wisdom. And the whole sutra is is Avalokiteshvara talking to Shariputra about expounding on the truth of emptiness, boundlessness, which is also interesting of it in and of itself that why isn't Manjushri the one who is expounding on wisdom beyond wisdom? Why is it Avalokiteshvara, the bodhisattva wisdom? Why would that be? That's for a talk on another day. There's the Dai Shindrani. Dai is great. Shin is heart. Heart mind. Dharani is a is a invocation, a spell a recitation, a mantra. The Rudharani of the Great Compassionate One, it's an invocation, exaltation of Avalokiteshvara Bodhisattva of Great Compassion. You may remember the name from our meal chant. There is the chant in Japanese, the Enmei Juku Kanan-gyo, that we chant another invocation of this Bodhisattva of Compassion. So again, heart, heart, heart. That chant, you'll maybe you can listen to it, and it will be less nonsense sounding. The chant is in Japanese. It goes Kanzean Namu Butsuyo Butsu in Yo Butsu in Boposo and Jo Rakuga Jo Jonen Kanzean Bonen Kanzean Nenen Jushin Ki Nenen Furishin. which doesn't mean much to us in English. One of the reasons why we chant it actually is, um, one of the reasons is because it's a way to honor this lineage that comes to us from Japan. But this Kaz Tanahashi, the great uh, translator of Dogen and, many, and also of the Heart Sutra, his translation of the Kanzeyan is Avalokiteshvara, which is the Kanzeon, 
Avalokiteshvara, perceiver of the cries of the world, takes refuge in Buddha, will be a Buddha, helps all to be Buddhas, is not different from Buddha, Dharma, Sangha. In the morning, be one with Avalokiteshvara. In the evening, be one with Avalokiteshvara, whose heart moment by moment arises, whose heart moment by moment remains. We sing the great Mahayana Indian sages, Shantideva's way of the Bodhisattva at night. I rejoice in the virtue of all beings. To help them attain the way, I offer any virtue that I have. May the pain of every living creature be completely cleared away. So that's just in our morning chant, just in our service. And then here's another wonderful invocation of the heart. Tori Zenji's Bodhisattva vow. Tori Zenji was a Rinzai Zen teacher in medieval Japan in the 1200s, 1300s. Disciples, when I humbly observe the true nature of things, all are the marvelous manifestation of the Tathagata's truth. The Tathagata is the, the thus one, come one, another name for the Buddha. Disciples, when I humbly observe the true nature of things, all are the marvelous manifestation of the Buddha's truth. Atom by atom, instant by instant, all are none other than this mysterious radiance. Because of this, our virtuous ancestors extended, extended loving care and reverence towards even such beings as birds and beasts. How then, how then can we but humbly be but humbly grateful for the food, drink, and clothing that nourishes and protects us throughout the day? these being in essence the warm skin and flesh of the great masters, the incarnate compassion of the Buddha. So such gratefulness, such gratefulness. If it is so, even with inanimate objects of the food, drink, and clothing that nourishes us, how much more should we be kind and merciful towards human beings even those who are foolish, though they become our sworn enemies, reviling and persecuting us, we should regard them as bodhisattva manifestations who in their great compassion are employing skillful means to help emancipate us from the twisted karma we have produced over countless kalpas through our biased self-centered views. If we awaken in ourselves this deep, pure faith, offering humble words and taking sincere refuge in the Buddha, then with every thought there will bloom a lotus flower, each with a Buddha. These Buddhas will establish pure lands everywhere and reveal the radiance of the Buddha between our very feet. May we extend this mind throughout the universe so that we and all sentient beings may equally bring to fruition the seeds of wisdom. Such heart in Tori Zenji.
How much more should we be kind and merciful towards human beings, even those who are foolish? Including the human being who is foolish sitting on this cushion. So our sashin rolls on. We've focused on a few practices. Presence, mindfulness, with the direct experience of the body, with kindness, friendliness, gratefulness, regarding our body with heart's eyes, greeting the day, greeting the body, noticing, greeting the body as we would a friend, seeing our body with heart's eyes, not the idea of the body, but the direct experience of the body with its itches, its warmth, its coolness, its moisture, its dryness, the touches, the movement, heaviness, lightness, spaciousness, solidity, all of the direct experience of the body as it is with kindness, not as a problem. Every morning we've opened with the direct experience of the body with kindness. This is what Maizumi Roshi, Chosen and Hogan's teacher meant with one of the ways, one of the things that is meant with appreciating your life. Appreciating your life isn't an idea of, I'm gonna think about my life in a better way. You don't appreciate warm tea by thinking about it. You appreciate it by noting all the complexity, noticing the taste of the tea on the in-breath and how it tastes different on the out-breath. Can we do that with our body, paying attention with kindness and appreciation? Just noticing, that's what we say, just noticing. It doesn't have to be complex, it's very simple. We've practiced with the phrases of metta. For a dear one, for our dear one, someone who is dear to you, For ourselves, we include ourselves. Or, as I suggest, doing loving kindness for your own heart. Your heart, which has experienced the whole range of human life, the ups and downs, disappointments, griefs, friendship, heartbreak, regrets, forgiveness. All the range of a human life, doing loving kindness for the heart, 
We include others. We extend this to include others, those that we don't know, near or far. And we include those who we have some friction with. Disconnection from where we feel separate, who irritate us, who don't, aren't doing what we want them to do. <laughs> we include them. May you be unburdened by fear and anxiety. May you be at ease. May you be happy. And we do the phrases on the out-breath so we stay present while we do the practice so that it's not a cognitive. Now, of course, when we're, we may visualize or have a heart sense of beings or even just their name, but by being with the out-breath or feeling the body as we say the phrases, it helps ground us in presence and keep it visceral. And then, of course, in between each of the beings that we do the practice for, we come back and check in with our own heart, noticing, is it open? Is it closed? Is it in between? Just noticing. Look right now. Is your heart open? Is it closed? Is it somewhere in between? Not trying to make anything happen at all, just noticing what's here. And we've also, the shorthand could be May you be at ease, if you don't remember the phrases. It's what's in the sutta. May you be at ease. May all beings be at ease. So when do I do the phrases? You might consider taking up the phrases at the beginning of a block of practice. Get the fire started. So after a break, after a meal, doing the practice, the mind is busy, often anyway. It's transitioning from, the, um, from doing, it can be, the mind is active, but it's a good way to get the fire started, doing the phrases, doing them until the end of the cycle and then letting the phrases go. If the mind starts to wander or get caught or elaborate or we notice reactivity or judgment, then, you, we, then we just bring in, may you be at ease, and then leave it at that. Rest in the body. Rest in the heart. Rest with heart. Off the cushion, we have the practice of peace is every step, saying peace with each step during kinhin. Peace, peace, peace.
peace, peace, walking with peace, staying with peace. You can have your own word, ease, 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 stepping on the earth with ease, meeting the earth with ease, treading on Mother Earth with ease, feeling her support. There's a nice song that this um, practice reminds me of. When I was a young boy, sometimes we would, at the end of Catholic, end Catholic Mass by singing, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Any of you know that song? It goes, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Let there be peace on earth, the peace that was meant to be. With God as our Father, brothers all are we. You know, it was written in the 50s, sorry. <laughs> with God as our Father, brothers all are we. Let me walk with my brother in perfect harmony. Let peace begin with me. Let's be, let this be the moment now with every step I take, let this be my solemn vow to take each moment and live each moment with peace eternally. Let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Yes, with every step I take, let this be my sol solemn vow. Let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. I wonder if this kind of suggestion led me to be an activist. <laughs> be careful of what songs you sing to impressionable children at mass. <laughs> you never know where they will end up. 20 years of activism and marches and bullhorns. <laughs> we have loving hands, loving touch, which we've done at work practice regarding ordinary ob objects with gratefulness. We can touch ourselves in this own way, appreciating our body. As we wash our hands, we're not just like scrubbing a pan. Actually, even that we can bring, I mean, that's the whole point of loving hands or loving touches regarding um, ordinary things with gratefulness. Thich Nhat Hanh talks about washing the dishes like you're bathing the Buddha, the baby Buddha. And we have the practice of may you be at ease to whomever we encounter. When someone comes in our awareness, into our notice, this is part of continuous practice. And that's the wonderful thing about Sashin. It's built for continuous practice to allow us to move from stillness into motion and continue to practice. So sitting in the Zendo, Kin Hin, doing, doing the phrases, Kin Hin, walking with peace, seeing our cohort, our Sashin, Fellow practitioners, may you be at ease. Here at the monastery, for those of you uh, at home, here at the monastery, we do a brief bow with hands palm to palm as we encounter other retreatants on the sidewalk. 
taking up this practice is may you be at ease. So we can, that can be our, our mark to do the practice. And if you're practicing at home and you encounter, uh, if you are out and about and take a walk, whoever you encounter, may you be at ease. This practice of may you be at ease while we bow is not just Zen busy work. It's the practice of continuous practice. It's the practice of no gaps. Our practice flows from stillness into motion. It's a reminder. It's a, reorient, it's a reorienting because karma is real. The more we incline our mind away from negativity to may you be at ease, to kindness, then that becomes, that just manifests itself. Because planting seeds yields a garden and you don't have to read it poems or sing it songs. You just need to plant the seeds. So plant the seeds, that's the practice. That's what we're doing here. And when they grow, and they'll grow. If we water them, give them sunshine, fertilize them. I want to say also that this bowing, this may you be at ease can become more and more subtle and reinforces and deepens our Zazen practice. In our tending to the heart, attending to the heart, noticing, is it open? Is it closed? Is it in between? Just noticing. We become more and more settled and our noticing becomes more and more subtle. We feel the twinges, the closing, the protection that goes up. Just noticing, it's not a problem. We're just noticing. But when we are subtle like this, the twinge itself, the closing itself can become the reminder Can we accept the closed heart? Can we accept the open heart? When our heart is open, can we let it be open? Can that be okay? This practicing with the heart is simple, but it isn't easy. Rinzai Zen is a school of Japanese Zen that has a fierce reputation. It's the Wira Soto, uh, Soto Zen, and then there's Rinzai Zen, kind of the two main ones. And our flavor is actually kind of a blend of Soto and Rinzai. 
But Rinzai Zen does have this reputation of being the fierce fierceness with koans and response shouts. And it was the, um, historically, it was the, the uh, Zen school of the samurai. So there's a Zen teacher who has, who had a student come, who has students come to him because of this reputation, they start the practice and they come to him and, and say, or maybe because of the reputation of Zen and they say, I want the hard practice. Give me the hard practice. And he said, you want the hard practice? Love yourself. Love yourself. Those of you who have done the work of learning to love yourself, you know this is true. When we begin to open into heart practice, we get to see the obstacles to the open and undefended heart in more and more subtle ways. Sometimes it has words, memories come, memories of disappointment, wistful memories, resentments, anger, grief. All these things can pass through worries, anxiety. Sometimes there are no words, just an ache or feeling of heaviness in the heart or in the guts. But we don't knock our resistance down, but inquire, what is it made of? What is this? What is it made of? What, what is it? Is it heaviness, solidity, stuck, flowing, hot, cold? Where do I feel it? The heart, the throat, the belly? Or is it streams of thoughts or stuck view? What do we do? One of our chances, turning or touching are both wrong. Turning away. Going away, pushing away, or touching, forcing, pushing. What's needed is kindness, simply acknowledgement of what's here, being present without trying to force the heart open and without ignoring it either. Include it, sit with it, 
or maybe just acknowledge it and leave it alone. What would a friend do? One way that we can work with what arises is the practice of self-compassion. It is a it is a practice of this acknowledgement of what's here. The self-compassion I'll talk about is a specific it's I mean this is Buddhism, but this particular framing was developed by uh, Kristen Neff and Christopher Germer, who are two researchers in the field of psychology. And I know that Kristen Neff is a, comes out of the insight tradition of Buddhism. And Kristen Neff and Christopher Germer were both inspired by the practice of metta. And it eventually led them to doing research on the effects of self-kindness. You know, <laughs> research got, researchers got to research. <laughs> <laughs> which is wonderful. They wanted to introduce the practice and then talk to people about how did it affect them. So they talk about how important mindfulness is in this practice, and mindfulness is none other of, than what we've been practicing, attending to our direct experience. So one of the things that Kristen Neff says is, mindfulness is the first step in healing, emotional healing, being able to turn towards and acknowledge our difficult thoughts and feelings, such as inadequacy, sadness, anger, confusion, with a spirit of openness and curiosity. So establishing mindfulness, concentration is essential. By mindfulness, we mean paying attention in a particular way, on purpose, in the present moment, without judgment. This allows for the disidentification from thoughts and allows us to say, oh, that's the inner, that's the inner critic, or oh, this is anger, anger is present or this is just being able to see, not, not be so identified with the thoughts. A mindfulness allows us to do that, and all of us have been practicing that. And so we may have periods of time where we, as we practice diligently, coming back over and over again, that our concentration is sustained and we can see what the thinking mind is up to. So we may have glimpses at first. We're caught, at the, especially at the beginning, we, we get caught, more and more we spend more time being able to see what the mind is up to, thinking mind is up to, look directly at the mind. She goes on to say, self-compassion involves responding to these difficult thoughts, which we're able to experience and not be, be actually able to inquire is this true? Is this thought true? Am I really a terrible person? And did she really do that? Is this true? Have separation from it. So the mindfulness allows us to take a step back. And then self-compassion involves responding to this, 
thoughts and feelings, with kindness, with sympathy and understanding. And she says, so that we soothe and comfort ourselves when we're hurting. So this is, a, this is about stopping the war within, stopping the war with ourselves, the struggle with ourselves. It's like the chant says, attempts to stop activity will fill you with activity. We chant at lunch, the noon chant. So we're just acknowledging, instead of trying to stop what's going on, we just acknowledge it's happening and respond with kindness and sympathy. And so we can comfort ourselves, which is so important because we're all we have. So self-compassion has three act aspects in this practice. First is the acknowledgement of suffering. Second is common humanity. And third is kindness. So how might this work in our practice? Because of our mindfulness, because we're looking at the mind, seeing what it's up to, we're attending to body sensations, we can feel emotions and thoughts and body sensations. We're aware of thoughts or emo an emotion or anxiety arising, or we have a sense of resistance, we have a sense of tenderheartedness, So because compassion is uh, oriented towards relief of suffering, that's, that's why we're bringing up these difficulties. This compassion responds to suffering and self-compassion responds to our own. So how might we work with this in practice? Our mindfulness allows us, as I said, we're aware of these thoughts and emotions. So the first step is acknowledgement of suffering, of what is true. We might be on the cushion and something arises, the inner critic or a negative emotion, anxiety, and just acknowledge what's true. This is suffering. We don't have to figure it out. We don't have to look for its source. We don't have to find the story about why this came to be. We're just noticing this is suffering. This is difficult. I am having a hard time right now. When it arises, you can do it like the phrases with the, on the out breath. This is suffering. I'm having a hard time right now. You can use your own words. On the out breath, this sucks. <laughs> This hurts. This is difficult. Just noticing. So the first step is acknowledgement. The second is common humanity. Because one of the things that happens is that um, when we, one of the things that happens when, is that we clo close in. We feel separate, we feel alone. So the second is the acknowledgement of common humanity. I am not alone. Others have experienced this too. 
or are experiencing this. This is what it means to be human. This suffering, this difficulty, this grief, this feeling of my heart closing is what it means to be human. It's part of being a human, living a human life. This is what it means to be in the human realm. This is what it means to walk the path. Common humanity. So experiencing this, it's not a problem. This turns the mind away from making problems, making ourselves a problem. Then the third is self-kindness. May I be kind to myself while I'm having a hard time. May I be kind to myself while I'm feeling this grief. May I be kind to myself while I'm confused and don't know what's going on. <laughs> May I speak to myself, treat myself as I would a dear friend. How do we do that? How do we befriend ourselves in this way? How can we be friends? Well, we have our exemplar from yesterday. Again, from Taihing Sinem. Joman read to us yesterday. So how do we practice self-kindness when we're doing self-compassion practice? Once upon a time, there was a young man who was uneducated but honest. He worked as a farm servant for a rich man. Every day he hiked over the mountains from his village to his employer's farm with a heavy pack on his back. His day was long and his work exhausting, but it gave him a lot of time to think and he never complained. Eventually, however, the young man's situation began, began to wear on him. He thought about the good food the master's children were eating and the good clothes that they were wearing and could not help but compare their lot to his. And he thought about the steep mountain pass he had to travel every day and tears came to his eyes. Why was his life so hard? He began to feel sorry for himself and to regret his tiresome existence. From that day on, however, the young man began to talk to himself in words like this. You have a hard time. Yes, and I'm so tired. How about taking a rest for a while? That is a good idea. In this way, he questioned and answered himself using comforting and sympathetic words and encouraging himself when no one else did. You must understand how lonely, weary, and sorrowful he was, but because there was no one else to do it, the young man became his own friend. A friend is a wonderful gift. Friends share their sorrows and their accomplishments. They enjoy life together. And the best friend to have is yourself. For even between husband and wife, between parents and children, 
there can be misunderstandings. But if you are your own friend, then there can be no misunderstandings. The young man began to be kind to himself. He comforted and encouraged himself. Sometimes he cried with exhaustion and despair, but he no longer felt completely alone. Now the young man was endlessly grateful to himself. He began to accept the conditions of his life, and as he did so, his life became clearer for him. He began to feel more at ease. He did not realize how much he was being encouraged to press on. He felt happiness and lightheartedness despite his heavy work. Still, he did not comprehend the identity of his friend. Then one day he realized who it was and attained enlightenment. Thereafter, he traveled far and wide teaching the Buddha Dharma. His friend was his own awakened nature. So we need courage and steadiness and determination. Good friends speak with kindness, but also firmness when needed. So may we have the qualities of a good friend, patience, steadiness, determination, loyalty to ourselves, to our own practice, loyalty to our vows, acceptance, affection, and an inclusive view. Please continue to engage in this hardcore rebel practice, being present and welcoming whatever comes. To close, I'd like to read a poem by David White. Your great mistake is to act the drama as if you were alone, as if life were a progressive and cunning crime with no witness to the tiny hidden transgressions. To feel abandoned is to deny the intimacy of your surroundings. Surely even you at times have felt the grand array, the swelling presence and the chorus crowding out your solo voice. You must note the way the soap dish enables you or the window latch grants you freedom. Alertness is the hidden discipline of familiarity. The stairs are your mentor of things to come. The doors have always been there to frighten you and invite you and the tiny speaker in the phone is your dream ladder to divinity. Put down the weight of your aloneness and ease into the conversation. The kettle is singing even as it pours you a drink. The cooking pots have left their arrogant aloofness and seen the good in you at last. All the birds and creatures of the world are unutterably themselves. Everything is waiting for you. Everything is waiting for you. Thank you.